0: that in your heart, okay, you just receive that in your heart, because we're frail, yeah, and we're flawed, and we miss it sometimes, and we can, we get caught in this thing, you know, that, I don't know, we don't the love has God in the way perhaps we'd like or whatever, I want you to just know, listen, you are deeply loved by your Creator today, just know that in your heart, alright? Okay. I was going to say, it's not to do with the sermon, but obviously, you know, if it's not, then I'm in trouble with the sermon. But what I mean was, it's not specifically about the the love of God, but hopefully that will come through. Um, Okay, let's just pray. Lord, we thank you. We just thank you for what you are doing in the world. We thank you, Lord, that your kingdom is going to become like a mountain that fills the whole earth. We thank you for your work among the nations. We thank you for what you're doing even in our nation, Lord. and even in this city, what you're doing, Lord oh God. We thank you, and Lord, we just want to say that we're behind you, Lord, we're following after you, and we just pray, even this morning, would you lead us by your Spirit? Lead us in triumphal processions, Jesus, our conqueror, our great leader. Lead us into great liberty and life to the full, I pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, we're doing a three-week series on mighty women of God, and um, we're into week two of that series now. And, um, really want to just talk a little bit, perhaps, about the series and what it's aiming at. Um, as a church, we will be fairly clear in the sense that when God made male and female, He made them the same, in the sense that He made them equal, both to reflect the image of God, in that sense to reflect perhaps different elements, different, char- different sides of the Lord's character, but ne- nevertheless created equal, both in the image of God, and yet created complementary. So, so, equal, but, so equal, but same, but different. And, um, That's kind of a hard road to walk in our day and age. The reason being for centuries, uh, I guess, there was a a deal in life where women were seen as second-class citizens, weren't allowed to vote, guys dominated the scene. And then in the 1960s, in the West, there was what has been known as a sexual liberation. But I guess first before that, around about 1900, you had the suffragettes and the vote thing going on. And then uh, that was great. And in the 60s, there was a sexual liberation where really people said, look. This whole male domination thing goes out, but also with it goes out, you know, the Bible, it's archaic, out of date, outmoded on some of the things. The stuff about men and women in there is probably cultural more than timeless. Is it just me or am I kind of coming to some base here? Some base going on. Yeah. Well, okay. i uh, will just keep going. But um, that was kind of outed by society as a whole in the West. It said, no, look, we just need to kind of, let's just forget that in, in one sense that there are these fundamental differences, because in the past they've led to inequality, let's just say we're all the same. problem with that is, is that's not what the Bible teaches. The Bible teaches that we are equal, but we are different in terms of our roles. Just as you would see the, the Trinity, the Father, Son, and the Spirit, total equality, All Father is fully God, the Son is fully God, the Holy Spirit is fully God, three persons, one God. And yet within that there is clear, there is clear relationship, there are clear roles, there is submission, there is there is these various things that goes on. You can read that throughout the Bible. And likewise that is reflected um, in man and female, particularly in the husband wife relationship, but also in church relationships. And so what I have tended to observe in my time is that churches that are sometimes sympathetic to this idea that there is a difference between men and women in terms of their roles can sometimes go too far and women can assume that what's being said is that I'm not allowed to do anything. What's being said is that I can't have a ministry, I need to remain silent, etc., etc. And so you end up with passive and timid women, and that is the last thing that God wants, and that is the last thing that we want in this church. Amen? We want to see women that are fearless, strong, flown in their ministry, using the gifts that God has given them. And so the whole idea behind this series is to say, girls, know, know this, that you are to be totally released in God, to be all that God's made you to be in this church. Yeah, And so we're looking at different When We looked at Sarah last week. We're going to look at Anna the prophetess this week. And next week we're going to look at Mary the mother of Jesus. So that's where we're going. That's what the um, series is about. And um, hopefully as we go through there'll be some things that come through. Okay, let's read from Luke chapter 2 where we can find this wonderful woman, Anna. Basically, as well, just for those of you that aren't familiar with the church, and, well, what is the church's stance on the whole women's role in the church, etc.? Well, basically, the stance at Revelation Church is this, is that women can do absolutely anything in the church that all the guys who, that aren't elders can do. Okay? So, women is free to serve in any way that, that the guys who aren't elders are free to serve in as well. We just believe the Bible teaches that government and leadership in the church, eldership, is reserved for, for men. It's a male role, we believe the Bible teaches that, and so um, um, that would basically be governmental leading and, and preaching. So the, the guys who be preaching would just be the elders or those who I think they have got potential for eldership, we want to train them up and give them the training ground for that. So that is our stance. Um, I won't go into an in-depth defence of that biblically at this point, um, but I'm happy to do that with anyone at any time, just, just to show it's not some nice little idea of mine. Okay, Luke chapter two. Verse thirty six. Set the context, Jesus is being presented in the temple to be circumcised, as was the um, um as was the requirement under the Mosaic law. Simon, Simeon, sorry, this uh, man of God who's been waiting um for the Messiah, he, he he he's there to perform um the the um the ritual in the in the ter- in, in the in the temple, sees Jesus and says, This is it, my eyes have seen your salvation And then at the same time, verse 36, there was a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Samuel of the tribe of Asher. She was advanced in years, having lived with her husband seven years from when she was a virgin, and then as a widow until she was 84. She did not depart from the temple, worshipping and fasting and prayer, worshipping with fasting and prayer night and day. And coming up at that very hour, she began to give thanks to God and to speak of him to all who were waiting for the redemption of Jerusalem. We're going to focus today on two aspects of Anna. Number one, that she was single. Number two, that she was flowing in her ministry. She was a prophetess, that was her ministry, and she was flowing in it. Um, the conclusion is of the sermon will not be that the only way you can really flow in your ministry is if you are a single woman. Okay, so guys, listen up. There's stuff in here for all of us, okay? But I just want to make that the There are two things I felt left to focus the I'm preparing, that she's number one she's single and number two she's flowing in the, the ministry God's given her which is as a proper test now let's just go back to the garden of Eden quickly because I want to just get, lay laid bit of a foundation so that what I say makes sense I'll read to you from the chapter 2 the Lord God took the man put him in the garden of Eden to work it and keep it and the Lord God commanded the man saying you may surely eat of every tree of the garden but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat for in the day that you eat of it you will surely die Then the Lord God said, it is not good that the man should be alone, I will make him a helper fit for him. So what we see here from this description in Genesis is that Eve is created as a complementary helper. She's created in a way that's going to somehow fill him out in a sense, somehow be complementary. She's to reflect God's image in the same way and through her existence she's going to bring goodness into his life. The Lord says, it's not good at the man to be alone, I'm going to make a helper. She brings goodness in through her companionship. That's the plan. That was the idea there. So what we see is you've got Adam created to work, walking with God, but still in some sense alone. And you've got Eve created for relationship, created to accompany and to help Adam. Now... That's the fundamental difference I would say between men and women, that men are created to work, women are created for relationships. Now, listen, I'm not saying that men can't relate and women can't work. Very, very important. I'm not saying that for a minute. I'm totally behind guys relating and getting in touch with their relating side. And uh, I won't say feminine inside, I'll say relating side. And, and, and for women being fulfilled in work, okay? So, so, but what I would say is I do believe from the scripture there is a fundamental difference in that the guy is created to work. And, and the girl is created to relate. This, I believe, is why, and it is a stereotype, but there is, there is some truth in most stereotypes, that guys very often um, would struggle more with workahelism and girls, and, and, and girls who tend sometimes to struggle um, with just, you know, not quite knowing when to stop talking sometimes, more than guys. I mean, that's fair. I mean, they just love, they love a chat more than a guy would go, you know. Women are, you know, they tend to be better at communicating. And I think this is reflective of original design, although we need to be careful in terms of the various traps and snares there. holism is not good. Gossip is not good, etc, etc. So, now, but the reason why I'm rigid that Genesis is this, is that from this reading, the, it, you, it can appear to dismiss a single life. From this reading, you can tend to think, man, is the Bible saying that the single life is inferior, that if we're single, we're incomplete in some way? How do you tend to get that reading if you just took Genesis? However, as you read through the Bible, you find actually it's anything but that. And in fact, the further you move through the Bible, as you get into the New Testament, actually, sometimes you read it and you think, I don't know if you like me, you think, man, it seems to be saying that in some ways, it's better or at least easier as a Christian to be single. The Apostle Paul preaches that in 1 Corinthians 7. He says, listen, I want you to know, if you're going to be a believer, it's actually going to be less trouble if you stay single. Why? The reason he gives is this. As a husband, you're not only concerned how to please the Lord, you're also concerned how to please your wife. If you're a if you're a wife, you're not only concerned have to please the Lord, you're also thinking I want to please my husband. Paul doesn't say that's wrong, that's perfectly natural. He just says sometimes, even if you're married to someone who's on the same page, you're godly, you're both glad for it, sometimes there's difficulties there, there's tension, you don't see things the same way. This one says, I feel God's saying, the other one's saying you must be joking. And it's oh, it's more complicated whereas if you're single it's like God's saying, well hey. Yeah? There's this simplicity there. So the Bible doesn't teach for a minute that it's somehow inferior to be lived a single life or that you're you are incomplete. In some way you sometimes have to walk with the tension of the Genesis story where we say actually marriage is a good thing, it's a it's a complimentary thing going on, it's wonderful, the companionship is a huge blessing, and yet there is another there is a different blessing in the single life. The Bible teaches both those things. The point is this. My observations, and perhaps maybe even my own experience as I was married, is that Christians sometimes get into the waiting game. What is the waiting game? It goes a little bit like this. Great to have happy kids. kids are so happy. That's Melody, my youngest. Here's the waiting game. It goes a bit like this. It's the thought pattern that works like this. Once I'm married, I'll find God's purpose. Yeah? Once I get married, then I can find God's purpose for my life, God's, God's plan for me, or maybe something like this. Once I'm married, everything will come together. Now that is, that is a, what is called a, I would call a waiting game mentality. You're basically it's not like everything's on hold, but there's that in you which is done. I'm kind of once that's in place, then bang. And I would say that that is a deceptive road to travel. It's really not a biblical way of thinking, and um, I'll give you two reasons why. Number one. The person who plays the waiting game is notoriously unattractive. Notoriously unattractive because they're sitting around waiting for some other human being to make them complete. That is scary. (sighs) It, 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 It... If I was single and, and I, I, I came across a woman and I was just, imagine for a moment I'm a single woman and I came across a guy and imagine they were kind of looking to me to somehow make them complete and I'm picking up the fact that they're not quite you know they're kind of white, I, I would be scared I would be afraid of suffocation I would be thinking man alive I'm not sure I'm feeling too good about this yeah because it feels like this thing could be a little bit she's got me or he's got me you know and you, it's not a good it's not a good thing at all. None of us are called to complete someone else. None of us. That is no one's calling. And you need to know that because sometimes if people are very insecure and scary, they can get manipulative, it can come, in, it can come heavy, and that's, I want to say to you now, none of us are called to complete someone else. That is not the will of God. So to focus there, to spend your time focusing on once I get my marriage to listen you are decreasing your chances of success by focusing there. I'll tell you what is, what is attractive. What is attractive... For someone who's serious about the Lord, it's someone of the opposite sex who is just as serious about the Lord and a total provocation as they pursue Jesus. You think, man alive, I'm gonna get her. <laughs> yeah? Or vice versa, I'm gonna get him, whatever, How are you on it? yeah? I'm kind of trying to be androgynous this morning, you know, but that's the deal, yeah? If you, if you, if you see another believer that's just running for Jesus, I tell you, I, I, I will share personally this morning, not because, you know, it's kind of the insane, but I think sometimes it's helpful, um, and I know Davina will be comfortable with me sharing this. When I first saw her, I just thought, oh, she is gorgeous. And, um, and, then, and then we chatted a bit, and I thought, that's, not, that's not quite right in terms of spirituality. I just thought that. So I just sort of kept my distance, really. I thought, she's too beautiful, you know, and I'm just, you know, so I'm just going to stay away. Turns out she wasn't walking with the Lord for long. And then about six months later, God just broke into her life in an extraordinary way by the Holy Spirit, and she yeah, asked, the next time I saw her, I thought, oh my goodness, she is amazing. Because I heard her and talk and I thought, she loves Jesus. My only else in the world, this girl is the business. And I want to just say that is attractive. You can't manufacture or uh, fabricate. That has to be genuine. But run after Jesus, okay, with all your might. And we'll, we'll talk a bit more about that later. Well, we'll talk about it now. The second reason why the deceptive rose could be... Um, and the waiting game is this. It is God's plan for us to run the race that is marked out before us, yes? God has marked out a race for each one of us individually. It's a different race. So that's why we none of us have to um, compare with one another. Isn't it beautiful? Because your race is different from mine. Jesus is the goal for all of us. It's a different route, okay? So I run the race marked out for me. And I believe the idea is this. I run with all my might and then one day, maybe, maybe not, but maybe I look around and there, throw me, there's someone really beautiful who's been called to run the same race. Yes, yeah? so we start running together. There's a naturalness about it. There's a sense of just trusting God about it and abandoning yourself to the purpose of God because He knows best. And that's a huge thing to actually apply. Believe me, I know it. Easy to preach, but to apply, it's a, it's, a, it's a harder, it's a harder thing. Look at Anna's attitude. She's amazing. You might say, but she was married. She's all right, but she was married. She was married for seven years. But look at her response to her tragedy. This woman would have got married probably when she was around about, I imagine, around about teenager time, would have been normal then. Uh, married, I guess, let's say she got married at 16. Husband died when she was 23. Now she's 84. So she spent the last 61 years just pursuing the Lord. Look at how she's responded to this tragedy. And it's so important to get your heart right. don't mean morbid, right? But it's so important to get your heart right before God, before you get married, if you are called to be married, I'll tell you why, because your husband and wife might die. Now that might sound really morbid, Okay, but it happened. And if you were looking for them to, for them to complete you, then where are you? God, it's about Jesus. It's bigger. This thing is bigger than you and me. Oh, I, I, I want to say, if, if, if I was to lose the Venus, I can guarantee you two things. Number one, I'll be devastated. Absolutely devastated. Number two, I would not be out of the game. There will be hospital time. Absolutely. <laughs> I'd be seriously, you know, I would need some serious TLC from Jesus, okay? But I would not be out of the game, because I'm not about her, and she's not about me, to live as Christ. Yeah? That's, that's what we're about. We're about Jesus. When I first heard a Christian husband say to me, I love my wife, Jesus more than I love my wife, I thought, you're weird. Yeah. I did. I new Christian, I thought this thing was going too fast. But upon closer inspection, it really worked. It really, really works. It's actually really liberating. And I think you can actually love your husband or wife better if you love Jesus more than you love them. Because the kind of love you give them is a releasing in Yeah? It's not a possessive, insecure kind of love. It's a beautiful thing. So we are called to run the race marked out before us, because all things are made by him and for him. What is the reason for your existence? Jesus. That's what the Bible says. So it's things like, even though Anna would have mourned, she would have grieved in the grand scheme, she didn't break her stride. She's just pursuing God. Hallelujah. Now I think this is a bigger challenge perhaps for the ladies than for the guys because they're created for intimate relationships. I think, generally speaking, not a nature of generalisation, but I think generally it's a bigger challenge for the women. Not only this, but I think also, mathematically speaking, there tend to be more viable women around in churches than there are guys. I don't know. I don't understand that. I don't get that. Alright, I not People say, well the gospel appeals to women more. Stupid. Just stupid. And what are you on about? If it does, you're not preaching it. Well, it's just, what are you on about? Are you some sort of psychological gospel? Well, because women are more like this. It's God's gospel. It's supernatural. It's not psychological. It's supernatural. You don't get born again because, well, it just appeals to this part of our personality. No, you get born again because God grows it. Can you? The God thing. You can't just, you know, I mean, if you're born again, you're walking miracles. Some of us thought for Jesus, others like me were totally disinterested. I had no interest in Jesus. I really didn't. And I wasn't anti. I just thought, my mum is a Christian. I've sort of, <laughs> dabbled if you can, as a teenager, I thought Does it doesn't really work for me. It doesn't, doesn't work. So I just thought, well, fine. It just, you know, and I just got on with life. And then suddenly Jesus just broke in. And I was born again. It's a miracle isn't it? Yes? Yeah? It's a miracle, it's supernatural. So, don't believe that nonsense. Um, there should be just as many guys around that loving Jesus as women. Amen? Amen ladies! Amen ladies, amen ladies! Sorry, it's too quick, you didn't hear me, sorry. Amen, Adam. amen, Okay, right. Right, so, bottom line, right, Match it out for Jesus, yeah? Give yourself to him, listen to this please, entirely without conditions. Sometimes people say, well I say to God I'll do this if he does this. Well you'll be waiting a long time. Not because you won't want to do it, but it doesn't work like that. That's not how it works. You don't say that to the Lord. You say, "You will be done. And you trust him. You can't spin him around and twist him around to kind of serve your agenda. You're talking about God. (laughs) You've got a slightly bigger agenda going on. Yeah? And our responsibility is to get into that. We get into that and we find, oh man, this is much better than mine, and I'll experience that. See, oh, this is great. You know, that's how it goes. So, trust me 100% to meet your needs. Finally, just get this thing on my you. I said, yeah, but Steph, just, I want you to know, my heart's desire is to be married. I would say, fine. Most likely you're not called to be single then. Alright? Fine. But I will say this what kind of wife are you going to be? What kind of wife are you going to be? Are you going to be insecure, possessive, controlling, or are you going to be secure, strong, releasing and joyful? Because if you max out for Jesus, when you get married you'll be that second kind of wife and you'll be a huge blessing to your husband. And if you've chosen the kind of guy that's maxing out for Jesus, he'll be that kind of husband and he'll be a huge blessing for you. The answer to what kind of wife you're going to be hangs on today's response to God. Yesterday's gone, tomorrow never comes, all hangs on today, yeah? You can only change today. So I want to say to you today choose to be married to Jesus. Let Him always be your first love. Amen. Amen. Secondly, she was a proper test. Now, I want to just say this mark this out. Sometimes looking at the Bible at a glance, you can think all the big ministries seem to be the guy. I think you would have to say that the majority, yes. But there were some very, very significant women who served the Lord mightily throughout the Bible. A few names. We've got Sarah. We've got Anna. We've got Mary Magdalene. Mary, the mother of Jesus. We've got Hannah. We've got Ruth. We've got Deborah. We've got Abigail. We've got Miriam. We've got Rahab. Rahab, and these are the ones I could just think of without looking in many books. Okay, So there's, to, to, to just sort of think, well, there aren't really many women in you know, there that are really going for it in terms of God. And, no, not true. There are. The point this morning for you ladies is really, really obvious, but I'm going to say it probably about 20 times in different ways. Use your gifts. Use your gifts. Be all that God has called you to be. Max it out. Don't spend, oh, is that okay? Is that allowed? Yes. If you've been gifted in it, yes. Okay. Don't wait for the position. Max out your gifts. The Bible says your gifts will make way for you. Gifts open doors. Use your hunt for the glory of God. Don't be timid, don't hold back, think. Be... I think sometimes women can struggle just a bit more sometimes than guys. Not always, but sometimes it's a timidity thing. Break out a bit, Bible says you've not been given a spirit of timidity. You've got a prophetic word, you prophesy, bring it. You've got something to share, bring it. God's given you a leadership gift, you use it. Don't neglect these things, it's so important. It's so, so, such a huge thing. Discover what your gifts are and use them. How do you discover what your gifts are? Three easy steps. Number one, ask yourself, what do you really enjoy doing? What is it that you're doing that makes you think, oh, I was made for this? Yeah? Know that feeling? What is it? What is it when I'm doing that I think, man, hand in glove. Square peg, square hole, yeah, I can feel the music, yeah, what is it that makes it? mine's body popping, yeah, that's my But what is it, what's the thing, what's the thing that really gets you, what's the thing that really makes you think this is me, but number one, number two, what do other people say you're good at, what have you done and others have said man that was great, that really blessed me, take note of that because that probably means you're operating in your gifts. When people go quiet after you do a certain thing, well, it doesn't always mean that's not your gift, but if they keep tapping, maybe it is. You know, when you preach the Duff one, because after them, it goes, Cupcake? No one wants to talk about it. Cause not many people would say, Steph, that was really rubbish. There's occasional few faithful friends out there that might put their arm around me and say, Steph, need to work on that. But, you know, generally speaking, if people are often silent after you keep doing something, just leave it. Thirdly, what are you good at? I mean, just what are you, what, 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 what is it, what you do? It's just, you produce, it's fruitful, yeah? It's just, it's got something life about it, it produces life. I think it's really important to just be released, to walk and to flow in that, and not, I think sometimes, you know, one of the first guys I ever, I ever kind of took under my wing and tried to help become a disciple, he's given his life to the Lord, and I said, so, so what's the place? I'm going to be a doctor. Okay. So, so. so we got to, I said, what's your passion? He said, computers. <laughs> I just "Run that one again. You're going to do a six year degree when you could do a three year degree. That's something you're passionate about. I said, Yeah, well, my mum's always wanted me to be a doctor. I said, no. And you know, your, your radar goes up. You think, I thought we are going to have some fun here. He <laughs> <laughs> only about 17 or so, and um, I said, We need to explore this. And there were a few ruptions in the family but, praise the Lord, he's a very happy computer programmer now. <laughs> you see, he was, living under, he was living under something that had been put on him in terms of an expectation that wasn't what he was. And he had to come out and be released from that and be what he was, yeah? And sometimes the Christians, you always audition. God's will is like the worst thing in the world, God's will is the most right, you know, find me something that makes me really sad. that's probably the will of God. You Your mind needs to if that's how you're thinking. But you hear people talk like that and they he's like, well, we don't want to go to Russia, so we know what God's going to say. <laughs> what are you on about? What are you on about? you know what I mean? What are you thinking? Pretty a good father. Now, sometimes there are those moments, there are those moments where you, you know, there are those wrestling moments. Don't get me wrong, where something comes, you think, man, this is a, this is a Gethsemane moment. Obviously, it's never quite, but you know, it's not marble, but yours is done. Of course. Of course. And something of the flesh is there, or a wrong expectation, you have to die to it, absolutely. But I think, in the, once here's the deal, once you are genuinely submitted to God, I believe that gives you huge freedom to follow your heart's desire. I think that's the key. Once you are genuine, you can't manifest it to be say, Lord, I'm genuinely now, not my thing, your thing. I think once you do that, there is an immense wide open space the Lord gives you to say, right. What do I want to do? And follow your dreams. I do believe that. So, hallelujah, that's how you find your gift out. Once you've got them, max it out. Now this thing's dynamic. I do believe that sometimes we are giving gifts for a season and then they lift. I do believe that. It's not always static. There are seasons where God gifts us for a thing and then it lifts and then, you know, maybe come back another time. So you have to roll a bit with it. But I think, you know, whatever you've got at this moment, use it. Um, Hallelujah. So, and the, I think I want to just really wrap up with this whole. This one of the most surprising parables Jesus told, the parables of the talents. Why well, just get it? Because I want to just, and then we're going to finish with this. The story is this: is a master of three servants, gives one five talents, one two, one one talent. In those days, talent was money, but we'll use it generically. I think you can use this very much broader. The master goes away, the first two servants, I'm with five servants, on with two, they have the kind of approach of, let's max it out, let's see what we can do, let's try and get some increase going here, so they invest it. The third guy's got a timid, fearful spirit and says, if I lose it, if I, if I try and kind of increase it and I lose it, the master's going to do me in, I'll just hide it. Now, you can look at that and think, hey, this, you know, you, you can think a hey, this guy, you know, he's sensible, God's going to really, God loves sensible, you know. I mean, God's going to really love this. The master comes back, says, Of course, the guy has five. What have you done? He says, Oh, well, I've, I've, um, I've, uh, I invested it and I've got more. The Lord says, Have five more. Go and have some, you know, and, and gives him kind of authority over kingdoms and stuff. Put the guy two, he said, I have two. Now, notice, the master never says to the guy who had two, why don't you have as much return as this guy who had five? That's not the issue. The issue isn't how much you've got compared to so-and-so. It's what you do with what you've got. Yeah? Massive. So he says, oh, I, I invested my two, I got this great and ask has 50. to the guy? He, he picked up his thing. But I says, no, I've still got it. Well, by me, the master says, you wicked and lazy servant. Not only that, she takes it off him, gives it to the guy who's got five, not even the one who's got two. Under God's mentality, you're thinking the guy has got two, come on, that's not fair. Next i going to do this, Then cast him into the outer darkness where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth. Hey man, this a bit harsh, man, I mean, God, just was sensible, what's going on here? Well, let me just, we're going to just destroy a cultural stronghold here. The British mindset, listen up guys, the British mindset is this, and if you're not from Britain, still listening, you might connect with your own culture. The British mindset is this, we love the underdog. We don't like talking about the gifts that we've got. Okay? We don't like doing that. We don't oh, I don't know, you know, I'm it. I'm it. I'm it. I'm it. We do that, we go silly. Yeah. I don't know, you know my a that, but you know <laughs> <laughs> that's the British thing, right? And then and then and then we don't like using it, right? Because we might be seen as proud, yeah, and we don't want to aggravate envy in anyone else. Yeah? So you can you can do all the moves. Right? Be on dance while you're doing that. He said, oh, I don't want to make you jealous. You know, I don't want to be seen the <laughs> You've got the moves. Do the moves. <laughs> yeah? The British mindset is that. Listen, according to this parable, that is an ungodly mindset which needs pulling down, and you need to re erect a new mindset which says, I am going to max out all that God's given me with a big heart and a big attitude, and if people get envious, I'm not going to be. But fine. The reason, on a, from an earthly perspective, why Jesus was killed is envy. From an earthly perspective, they said they were killing the blasphemy. But if you read the stories, they were envious of the crowd and the power that he had. Right. So if you're really throwing in your gifts, some that are small and insecure and kind of like that about what they are, they might be like that towards you. You brush it off and you keep going. Yeah. You don't come under that. You don't come under because you do not want the master to return and say you're wicked and lazy servant, do you? You want him to say, you've done blinding what you've got, have a load more, don't you? Yeah? That's what he's going to do. So women, especially today, max it out. Your gifts are not yours, they're on loan to you from the Lord, which means you are accountable for what you do with them. Because they're his. So go for it, go for it, go for it. Use your gifts on a Sunday. day. Use your gifts to phone people. You're great on the phone, some of you. Phone people up, say how you're doing, okay? Practically, it's just guys and girls now. Practically, just what you got practical gifts? Please, some of us are really not practical. We need lots of help. Please offer it to us. Please say, Do you need your, any, any light bulbs in your house changing? I would say, Yes, I need them all changing, and I'm too scared to do it. Please come round my house. <laughs> Richard, back me up. Yeah. <laughs> is advice if you're wives or if you've got a certain job and someone else in the church has got a similar job but they're just starting out say how you're doing do you need some advice you, you, use what you've got share it alone love a world that's loveless show the glory of God through your life yeah God will increase your gifts and multiply and you know what that's not naughty alright let's just get God wants increase and multiply in our lives if we are using it for his glory he wants to increase and multiply it it's only when we're selfish that he doesn't want to do that. Do you understand? This is very, very important. The Lord, when he died for us, when he gave his life for us, it was to redeem us completely and teach us how to live a fully kingdom life. Not just get by as Christians trying not to sin. Yeah? If, just, if that's all you're doing, just try not to sin, you're going to sin, number one, and you won't be enjoying Jesus. If you get on and throw yourself into what the Lord is doing, what's the Lord doing? Number one, he's advancing the kingdom. Number two, he's building his church. That's what he's doing. Get in on that, okay? And you will find just an increase and a glory in it. Hallelujah? Hallelujah. Ladies, please stand. I want to pray for you. If if, if you're comfortable lifting up your hands to the Lord to just receive an impartation and an increase of gifts, then please do that. If you're not, that's fine. I want to just pray a blessing on you. Father, thank you for our women thank you for them, Lord. I thank you that you've got mighty things for them. I pray, Lord God, that I pray that this church would be an environment of rich soil, where they grow and where they develop and where they come into all that you have for them. I pray, Lord God, for all those gifts that are resident in them, Lord, that they would increase and grow and multiply. I pray, Lord, for the purposes you have for them, they will come into. I pray, Lord God, that you would help them to walk free from timidity, from fear, from... Even, Lord, help them to overcome the accuser with his accusations and intimidations and where some of you really, as I'm up and known, some of you really struggle. As soon as you step out, you begin to question your motives and it goes really confusing and really complex. I believe the Lord wants to give you a key today. I want you to know that it's not simply you, that it's spiritual attack. You have to put your armor on you to refuse refusing you have to press forward you're not to give it an inch you're not to give it a minute okay if your motives are wrong the Lord will show you it will be clear it will be releasing it will be a good thing okay when the confusion and all that complex and that heavy stuff comes in that is not from the Lord so we just release we speak a release over your minds and your hearts today and we pray we pray oh God for some mighty women to rise up for your namesake for your glory in the church and in the earth Amen Amen. Hallelujah. Right. We're going to gather back in now to praise and worship some more. We're going to break bread at some point. And we're going to see where the Lord takes us. Yes?